Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. My special guest tonight is Regina Y.C. Garcia. She's a poet, a language artist, and an English professor. Her work has appeared in a number of journals, reviews, and anthologies. She's also participated in a number of award-winning projects. She is the author of the new book, The Fire Talker's Daughter, which was published by Finishing Line Press in March 2023. Regina, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I am too. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, begin, this, let's begin this poetic journey. I'm ready. What is poetry to you? Hmm. Okay. So I figured this was coming, and I think I changed. <laughs> I think, I, I, you know, I, I changed the way I was going to frame this um, so many times. But I, I, I do think poetry is the is the inner voice just yearning um, to break free. Um, a voice that doesn't feel like it has to um, expound expansively, but a voice that says, I need to be heard. I need to be said. I'm doing this not just um, for the person speaking or the person writing. I'm doing it also for that which is beyond and those people that they will impact um, and touch. So I think that poetry is that inner voice, that, that reflection that is, that is born within us and escapes us onto page and into air. Now, if you had to add your heart into that, mm-hmm. what is poetry from your heart when you think about it? So poetry from my heart is almost always a reflection of emotion. Um, and it it can go in a variety of directions. Um, Certainly, um, I I use poetry to to pay homage to my experience, Um, either, you know, good or maybe um, uh, tragic or traumatic, but recognizing that it it brought me to this place, and I honor those people that are in that that journey. So um, poetry from my heart is is familial. Um, mm-hmm. The voice that carries the poetry is sending the poetry to to people that I care about, and I care about probably everybody, you yeah. know. So mm-hmm. it's even if you're not doing, um, I, I want you to consider. Um, something that that might open your eyes to see another way. Um, mm-hmm. If I love you, I really, I, I love you, I love you, I, I need for you to know that. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's poetry um, from my heart, you know, it, it's for the individual and it's for the collective and it's for the world. 
So <laughs> it's always from my all always from my. All right. Now I like that. I like that. Now, why does poetry matter? Why is it important? I mean, why do we do what we do, which we do so well? Why? why I want to know. Why does it matter? Well, you know, I've heard people say, I mean, even other poets, <laughs> that poetry doesn't matter. I just find that just wild. That's wild to me. Um, I, 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 I know that it matters because I've seen it, um, the impact of its encouragement on on people, on individuals, but also on groups of people. You know, when you think about the poets that have emerged in crucial times, um, you know, you think about uh, those who were, um, you know, those poets, you know, who who we hear from in the in the in the Harlem Renaissance and even after that, you know, in Jim Crow, who wrote, who 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 who, um, particularly, you know, when we think about even the Black experience. Um, mm-hmm. who who really um, put forth these words to consider, um, not just for their people, but for other people. They, they presented black life, snippets of black life. Um, and, 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 and they also presented um, or gave the opportunity for those who were in the struggle to know that they were heard and that they were seen and that, you know, the, the poet was there. Um, with them, so I mean, I I think poetry is important because it moves, it moves ideas, mm-hmm. it moves people, it moves people from from one degree of consciousness to another. Yes. You know, it 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 lifts, it lifts, and at the same time, it can admonish. Um, mm-hmm. it, it makes people examine themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been made to examine myself by poetry. I've been awakened to some things because wow. of of poetry. You know, I, I think about uh one of my favorite poets is, is Sonia Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And um I I watched I don't know if you if you had the opportunity to uh watch Lovecraft Country. But there no, was Lord. No, say no. <laughs> well, maybe a little heavy for some, but I was. I, it no, was, that's it was, HBO. I had to pay for that. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they oh. had my money during that because I was riveted, and Misha Green is a genius, you know. But right. I, I, you know, I, I, I listened to her the her poem. They just kind of uh, they dropped that poem over some music. And as as Tulsa burned, there was a scene of Tulsa, um, mm-hmm. the Tulsa massacre, and yes. um, it just I, it lit something in me. It really did. I think at that point, I, I just it just awakened something that I had kind of pushed to the you know pushed to the back of my mind. Sometimes we push things to the back of our mind just so mm-hmm. we can survive, yes. so we can kind of get through the day. Um, yes. But all of this is happening in the quarantine, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and in the quarantine, poetry just brought me kind of back to who I think I am and who I who I actually think I'm made to be. Oh wow, I love that. Right. Please, please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. Oh yeah. Okay. So yes, I have I have I have one or two. So right. early experience 
Um, my mother, um, who is actually the impetus for this current book, my mother uh, was a librarian. Um, and my mother knew the power of literacy. And um, she was particularly a, she was particularly a, a, an advocate of uh, uh, exposing us to texts that were written by um, our people. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that the first book of poetry that I ever had was a book that she put in my hands. It was a book oh, called wow. Little Brown Baby by Paul mm-hmm. Lawrence Dunbar. Mm-hmm. And I was in love with that book. And then there was a lady in our church who mm-hmm. would read, I mean, or perform poetry, you know, by memory. She would recite, but it was more than recitation. It was this oral interpretation of Mm -hmm. these Black life poems. And she would do that poetry of Paul Lawrence Dunbar, of, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, James Weldon Johnson, just so many of those uh, prolific poets that we think about. Um, And so uh, that set this fire in me. I was like, oh my gosh, I want I want to do that. So it mm-hmm. went from reading it to performing it. And I'll never forget when I performed for the first time in a con- in a in a, 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 a little pageant, When Melindy Sings, and the people mm-hmm. were just <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. You know, I was like, go in, quit that noise, Miss Lucy. Put that music book away, you know. And they were like, "Who is this child?" You know. <laughs> and 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 I saw what it did for the people. The power, this, the power, the you know, it just, you know. And so it, you know, exposing poetry to other people was like the second step. And then when I got to Carolina, um, mm-hmm. I saw the Ebony Readers Onyx Theater, and I was like. Oh, yes. Oh, these are my people, you know, and I became a <laughs> at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. That's Chapel right, my Hill, Carolina that's right. brother. Yes, right. And so I, you know, I became a part of that and um, I became known as the, the, the one who would just, you know, always perform phenomenal woman. And I would do the ones by in Tazaki Shange from Colored Girls, you know, that choreo poem. One thing mm-hmm. I don't need is any more apologies, you know. And people were just like, that were like, I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then I thought about how enamored I was with that, with mm-hmm. the spoken word, with the with the reading of it. And then the natural evolution became this writing of it and, wow. and recognizing what I, I could do, what I could do, that my feelings were valid, you know, mm. and so I, I just, yeah. So I probably over answered that question. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying our conversation. Regina, please yeah. share a poem. Okay. So this poem that I'm going to share right now, um, it's always the first one in any set that I do recently. Um, it is the title poem of my recent collection entitled The Fire Talker's Daughter. And so one question that I often get is, um, what is or who is a fire talker? Mm-hmm. So my mother was mm-hmm. a fire talker. Um, she has, um, she has uh, dementia now, so she's not a practicing one, but she was a fire talker 
And um, a fire talker is an energy healer um, that talks the pain away out of a burn and um, and bears it away from the, the person who, you know, has been burned, and it speeds the healing. Um, mm-hmm. There are many people who have been touched by the healing gifts of fire talkers, and it is a gift that is passed from generation to generation, in my family anyway, generation to generation, male to female. So my mother was a fire talker. Her father was a fire talker. My mother had no sons. So my son, my oldest son is a fire talker. And so that, yeah, yeah. So that is, um, you know, just part of our, our legacy. And, you know, we don't, we don't often talk about, I probably talked about it, more now than ever, but um, one thing as I was that happened as I was writing and I was thinking I really wanted to have a footprint in this world. I wanted to, you know, accomplish this while my mother was on this is on this side. Um, one thing I, 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 you know, I just wanted to want the people to know is that she was a fire talker, but she was so even so much more. Um, than that, she was the first in her family, in her direct line to go to college. She graduated from North Carolina Central University, you know, and she went on to get her master's degree, you know. So she, she, uh, she's a, a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, has done a great deal of service within the community, um, brought the Rift program to our area. I mean, we had like thousands of books in our garage. I remember growing up stamping books for Rift. Um, but the other thing, the, one of the key things she did for, for myself and for my other two sisters was to teach us how to show up black and female in situations in which we were not always welcomed. All right. I do understand so, that. That's it. So this is, the, this is the poem, The Fire Talker's Daughter. My mother talked the fire out of burns eased the pain, as did her father, as did his mother, as does my son, as will his daughter. It had to pass me by, as I was not a man-child, yet my mother looked at me like I was sun in the sky, like I was promised. She said that while I would not have that gift, I would have a great many, and even though I couldn't talk it, I most certainly carried it power. I entered the world very tiny and gray with a gray ring around my brown eyes, said I was scrawny with bright eyes that had seen before. Mama said a great many long gone spirits dwelled where I was born, and when it was time to leave that place, she was well ready to go. They worried her incessantly. She told me many other things like how great aunties hat and at were healers, and women would come to them for many an unknown ailment, and how God put these abilities in us because of what God knew we would need to survive, for our families to survive, for our people to survive. My mother marched in the movement. My mother educated the masses. My mother spoke the fire. But sometimes, My mother held her tongue. 
My mother can no longer tell me any more about these truths that I have discovered are very real. That is to say she lives, but she cannot say. Sometimes her tongue gets confused. Sometimes her tongue is at rest. I cannot talk the fire, yet I am fire. I know this because she told me so. Truth. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, how long was the process writing the book? How long you started? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you no, yeah. I started well, okay. So what caused me to begin to really put it together? Because I had okay. I had thought about, you know, putting a book together prior to this. And right. um I I just for one reason or another, it, it just didn't come together, it just didn't happen. I had this stuff, but I had so many other things going on in my life. So I, I can I guess I can credit the quarantine for just kind of getting allowing me to have the time to get myself together. But what happened was I had started to um, submit to different journals and reviews and, and, and really became more aware about the process of how that, you know, was to occur. And there was a, a contest um, uh, sponsored by Finishing Line Press, and it was a women's chapbook contest. And so I said, well, let me give this a shot. You know, let me let me just see how this turns out. So um, I started to pull things together. Um, some of, very little of it though, but some of it did come from some of the poems had were actually written some years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked at them and they were just still very relevant. One of the things that they asked for was to um, consider putting your book together along a theme okay and so as i started pulling and i was writing putting things together i said i started to notice this fire motif Mm -hmm. um and i started to notice um a theme that existed um in the poems that kind of went back to some of the things that my mother told me some of the things that have occurred in our family in our history you know our culture things that were happening in the United States. And so I wanted to pull together something that was, you know, just relevant, um, that kind of reflected, you know, this, this, this concept of physical, metaphorical, and spiritual fire mm. and how that plays out, how that can play out um, in a person's life. And All so right. um, I submitted it. And I did not win. Okay. <laughs> How, <All> however, right. <laughs> however, the editor, <laughs> the editor, you know, that's the that's the bane of the poet's existence. You know, some yeah. people, oh my gosh, I didn't win. <laughs> some but, but, right. but, but the editor of the the person who chose who, you know, chose the the, the winner uh, mm-hmm. also told the publishers that they needed to publish my book. Mm. And so I got uh, an email from Finishing Line Press saying, well, you you weren't chosen for the contest. You didn't win the contest. But we want you, we want to publish your book. Wow. And I was like, 
looked at the contract. I was like, okay, let's go for this, you know. So um, that's how that that happened, and um, it's been it's just been really um, wonderful. It you know just the whole even even prior to the book even coming out, I met so many just wonderful people and. Mm-hmm. Um, had so many opportunities to kind of share this story of people like you who allow me to share. (laughs) All right. Yes, of course. Of course. You know, and actually you've answered many of the questions that I plan to ask you. (laughs) 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 But I can ask you, though, about the book's cover. Tell me about it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So the artist, that created the uh, the design for the the front cover um, is a young a young woman. She is in eleventh grade, I believe. Um, oh. uh, <laughs> right, right. Her mother actually went to Carolina too. Her name was Linda Brown, but the the young woman's name is Cameron Harrell, and she is a dynamic um, artist. I I came to know about that part of her when she um, was a uh, was a part of our um, debutante um, that we have um, uh, in uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha uh, in my chapter. And mm-hmm. her grandmother was a member of the chapter. Um, her mother um, um, uh, was in the sorority as well, not in our chapter, but she was in that. And I was the, um, the arts chair or the talent chair and we, it was in COVID, so we did a virtual um, talent show. And I told the girls, I said, look, talent is not just, you know, relegated to you singing or dancing or what, you know, you, you know, every talent show you, you see almost, you see people, uh, young, especially with young people whose mothers or fathers have said, uh, you're going to sing and, you know, the child, that's not their forte. Right, <laughs> or you're going right. to dance or whatever. You know, but I said, You're. T- I want you to do what you do the best. So we ended mm-hmm. up with girls who, who did a cooking demonstration, you know, that kind of thing. It was, you know, it was very diverse. She did mm-hmm. a virtual art show. Oh. It was dynamite. I mean, it blew <laughs> me away. I, I was just like, certainly this young lady you know, so after after it was over, I said, I want you to do my cover. And, you know, her parents, they could, you know, they consented, you know, they gave their approval and we met and I and I kind of shared with her my vision and she she made it work. It was it was a wonderful experience. And, and she just it was it was beautiful. It really was. And her name is Cameron Harrell. She's one to look for, look out for. All right. All right. Please share mm-hmm. Paul. Share a poem for us. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So um, this um, next poem is actually um, a poem that um, I wrote rather recently. Um, It is um, not in the book, but it is reflective of of, um, some of what I talk about in the book. Um, It deals with grief. And, you know, we are coming through a time when, when we have, I think most of us can say, we've experienced um, grief. I know I feel like I've experienced grief at an mm-hmm. unprecedented level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this poem is entitled, Write Out, W-R-I-T-E-O-U-T. This is how I do it, this writing out of grief 
by sealing people in their essence, in their healed bodies, in movement, in their best smiles, their kindest words, their surprising laughs, the outslipping of their actual selves, the parts that they didn't always want us to see, the buried brightness, the shrouded illuminosity, the pure places that were hidden behind the rocks, behind the mask, behind the veil of waters, behind the doors of bravado. I heavened them to new worlds, so I have no heaven to give. This is how I do it, this writing out of grief. I write their spirits into stars, name those stars after them, and place them in a sky that strips away their pain. This sky, my sky, gives them wisdom, the ability to ascend, to descend, to float just above my head, to burrow in the crevices of my mind, to rest in the hollows of my heart. This is how I write out grief. I move my hand under the hand of my God, that those loved, those gone, might continue to live. Sometimes you don't need words. You just mm-hmm. need to be able to breathe, right. to listen and breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. does it hurt you to write poetry? Oh, it can be um, very, um, <laughs> it can be very painful. It can okay. be. Sometimes, mm-hmm. there, as a matter of fact, I will venture to say um, very often prior to the emergence of a poem, because I really feel it for me at least, it is an emergence. Um, there is this feeling um, unease, mm-hmm. and there is this feeling, you know how in the Bible the prophet says, it's like fire shut up in yes. my bones. Yes. That's exact mm-hmm. that 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 scripture mm-hmm. so um poignantly gives light to what for me that feeling is like because there are some things I don't I oh god I don't want to write about. Yes. They're heavy. Some of them are very heavy. Um mm-hmm. on occasion um, I get a burst of joy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I write, you know, like, for example, I might, um, a, a word might turn around in my head or I might uh, be exposed to something that created an emotion that was, you know, uh, more, that was lighter, you know, and mm-hmm. so something comes out based on that. But very often the, 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 the poems that I write that a lot of people indicate are um, impactful um, to them are those poems that have come from pain. Wow. So tells a poem where to go. Do you lead or do you follow? Well, I follow most. Well, I try to lead sometimes. 
mm-hmm. I try to leave sometimes leave sometimes but uh something it it doesn't all it doesn't always go well when I'm trying to carry it there mm-hmm. is a a natural kind of um guidance that comes from somewhere sometimes external you know um that that kind of leads a poem to a, a particular a particular space um i will say however i do use form occasionally all right um and i use form if i am so overwhelmed to uh make my thoughts become more pointed okay Good. yeah and so uh, but i and i i do that as practice you know just to um be able to vary the style to have to not sound like I'm like in in the perhaps even in the rage that I feel mm-hmm. um because sometimes you have to give a message that you want to say one way but it would scorch the earth wow you know we talked just a little bit about editing mm-hmm. and editing is so sticky you know someone mm-hmm. else reviewing your work changing mm-hmm. things Right. Here's what I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once Mm -hmm. it's out, there is not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? Um, I think... um, I think a poem can evolve. Okay. I don't Talk know. If, I don't know if that's necessarily editing, or is it more just helping the poem become something else? You know, th- that happens sometimes. You know, there is maybe there's something that I feel like I left unsaid. That I will add. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, that's necessarily editing. Now, okay. I do. I do, if, if, especially when I'm sending a poem out. I'm making sure um, that I, 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 that my, that I'm using that I, you know, that I'm grammatically sound. All right. Um, if it is, if it is that the poem is written in standard. Book English. That's okay. what I like to call it. Now all of my poems aren't. <laughs> all right. So all right. There's that, you know, because sometimes sometimes the voice is insistent that I tell it like I would tell it, like I would speak it to whoever yes. I'm speaking it to. And so mm-hmm. th- that that is uh, that's a non negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um if if that's what if that's what been given to the process, then then I have to honor that. Um, I, now, yeah. Well, we're going to take a brief break. Okay. We'll be right back. But I want you to answer this question when we return. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. <laughs> what favorite poet do you wish would be your mentor? Mm. All right. All right now. <laughs> Living or, or not? Either one. Either one. Either one. Okay. Either one. Okay. All right. All right. 
We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Regina Y.C. Garcia. All right, Regina, answer that question for me. Okay. So I would say I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to um, go with someone who is here right now. All right. I think if I could have uh, someone to mentor me, um, uh, I, I would say that it would. Um, I, I, l- let me say this though: I do have mentors who are public. okay. So I guess yes. someone I'd add to this. Okay. Okay. Um, because Jackie Shelton Green is a great. Well, she's a wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I could add someone to that cavalcade, I would. I would certainly add Sonia Sanchez. <laughs> I don't she know is. why I thought you'd say her. <laughs> just the way you described her earlier, just the, the exuberance that you that you <laughs> that you gave off when you mm-hmm. talked about her. I just yeah. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, she's 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 dynamite. And you know, I you know, although you know, a lot of people, um, you know, when you when they talk about um poetry and who they um who they admire whose work you know i can name uh, you know jericho brown worth and sire love love them love them um but the people that i want to glean from are mm-hmm. you know are, are some of some of the old school poets nikki giovanni you know yes you know i i i, I you know certainly if i could have you know, just been at the feet of Intozaki Shange. You wow. Know. Um, yeah. Well, what I'd like to know, mm-hmm. when you think about poetry and the poems that you've written, mm-hmm. has any poem ever humbled or frightened you? One that you've written. Mm. Oh, that's a question. Let me see. That has humbled or frightened me. Um, I I will say that um, there's a a a poem that I wrote and I'm and I and I do plan to um, read that on this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's called. Um, this fire tastes like, mm. and um, this th- that particular poem um, humbled me because it forced me to look beyond the the issues of this time okay. into a time when th- this was not going to. To, to be our plight, you know, it, 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 it's kind of, I, I, I am very, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I am, uh, I'm, I'm just avidly studying the concept of Afrofuturism. Okay. Okay. And um, I, 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 I feel like me personally, I have to do that in order to continue to have the hope that I have. Please share with us then, what is Afrofuturism? 
Oh gosh. Okay, so that's that's complex. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know if I can briefly, briefly. Uh, you know, it's, uh, Give it's us almost, the cliff notes. Uh, it's almost a it's almost a looking it's almost a looking back. It's almost okay. a looking back to go forward. Mm. Um, you know, I, I write it in in um in one of the poems in my book, um, rest stops. I I talk about the importance of of people of color, people who are marginalized, to have spaces where they can rest. Like that 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 I envision that for us. I don't see how a people can make it without a break, a place. Wow. And and so I I write these things into my work. I write these concepts into my work, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. often, more more often now than before. Um mm-hmm. in which we have these spaces that, you know, we we uh perhaps you know, I like to see them in ways that we have not maybe even traditionally conceived, you know. That is, you know, part of that whole Afrofuturism, you know, how we, we're going to overcome something. Mm-hmm. We can see something beyond where where we are now. And it might not look like anything we've ever envisioned, but it really is 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 is, is not a new uh thought because you think about the people of the past and what they envi- our forefathers what they and foremothers what they envisioned for their people they'd be so overwhelmed to see where we are now but we here now are still we still know that there's so much left that needs to happen and you know and so that what is happening what what does our future look like what is so Afrofuturism is is looking at this this uh, this continuum, I think, of mm-hmm. of 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 the Afri- African American, the diasporic experience, and considering that in the work. Well, I'm I'm I looked it up. Go ahead. And to add to what you said, right? Afro <laughs> <laughs> Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Afrofuturism expresses. Uh-huh notions of black identity, agency, and freedom through art, creative works, and activism that envision liberated futures for black life. Mm -hmm. That's right. And this is from the Smithsonian, the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, And so, yeah, I have just a lot, and even along that, just along that, that, that concept of, you know, um, yeah, I've written into, it's easier for me to write it than to explain it overtly. Yeah. It's easier for yeah. me to I shape understand. it in my work than yes. to, you know, uh, than to uh, give it that, because it is so complex. Well, you know, speaking, speaking of complexity. Yes. We live in a world, you know, I guess when I, this phrase liberated futures for black life, Mm -hmm. we live in a world, Regina, where so much is happening. There's the good, there's the bad, there's the ugly, there's the indifferent. What I want to know from you is 
what do you think is the role of a poet in modern-day society? The role of a poet is to, for me, to reflect, to reflect what's going on. It is is to to recognize it, to, to, to place it for consideration in our work. I believe that is the role of a poet. Now, some people, I've heard some people say, well, I just write for myself and how, you know, there's some people that write for for nature, like, for example. And I used to say, well, I'm not a flower poet, right? But I, but actually, actually, sometimes <laughs> I am in regards to, you know, when you think about things like environmental justice mm-hmm. or injustice, yes, depending on who you are. And where you are, you know, we think about those things like food deserts. We look at things that, you know, are happening to the, you know, to our water and in places where people could perhaps do the least about it, you know, like the, the people that are being impacted are, the, are often the people that don't have the, 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 the voice at the level that it needs, that they need to have it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um I do, I do write about it, um, you know, um, use it metaphorically. You know, I'll, I'll talk about the flowers and the trees and the water and the sky. You know, I've my whole, I have a book that I'm working on now, and, and the focus is on, you know, the air and the sky and the stars, you know. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, okay. I, I am, right. yeah, but it's using that <laughs> as a look, right. So, yeah, so, I, I think that it is it is it is incumbent upon us to mm-hmm. write not just for ourselves, but to write with a vision with a vision for for our communities yes. for the world. You know. Yes. Yeah. I'd like you to share a poem. I love your mm-hmm. voice. I'd like you to share a poem. Okay. All right. So since we started talking about Afrofuturism, um, mm-hmm. this next poem that I'm going to share is actually part of a series of poems um, entitled um, um, Afrofutures. Um, it's an Afrofuture series that I'm working on, and this is a haiku. So some of these um, poems are, are are actually in haiku. Um, this is called, I call it haiku in multiverse. Um, and it's entitled I Harriet, um, and, and you will recognize who the Harriet is. I Harriet. I see Harriet pulling pin soles out from clay, scraping matted eyes. I hear Harriet, golden black steadfast resolve, etching promise paths. Feel Harriet. She echoes through weary souls, keep moving or die. I move Harriet from grave to sky to guide us, star settled in skin. I am Harriet, bathed in black light prophecy, cloaked in new mission. I, Harriet, cries, insistent cadence rings clear, come into the woods. I, Harriet, lives, 
keep eyes stayed on lands of hope, old wisdom pours free. Born from Mother Star, she invites our children, those looking for her star. They find her gazing. She imparts ancient wisdom that fires the sky. Hmm. You know, Regina, when I listen to you, mm-hmm. listen to your voice, Okay, it sounds like someone else is taking over. Mm-hmm. Sometimes someone does. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why they paid me the big bucks. You know? <laughs> People out there going, that's I knew they it. They paid me the it. big bucks. <laughs> I wish somebody paid me some bucks, but that's why they paid me the big bucks to be able to pull things out of people. <laughs> so my question is, yeah. what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Okay. I'm glad you asked. So my speaking voice, um, and at this point it is uh, – you know, it's almost instinctual. It's not, you know, something that I practice, but it is something that happens when I when I purpose to interact with what I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's oral interpretation. So, if you ask me to come to a reading, I'm not going. To, I'm not just going to read like you know people might read. I'm, yes. I'm going to because I think it. You know, you have to honor your message. You have to honor the words. I want people to know how I felt or how I feel when I mm-hmm. read. So that's what you. That's what you hear. You hear how I feel. Um, mm. You don't necessarily. You get Regina the poet, but you also get Regina the feeler. This is what I feel, and if you can't believe, I've heard poets read poems. And I don't believe what they say because they sound like they don't, they're not connected to what they're saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I understand and so, that. <laughs> and so, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, everybody's different and, and I'm not, that's not to say they have to sound like me. But what I am saying is if you're going to read your poetry, if you're going to, if you're going to give your poetry through your voice, give it in the way that you got it. And give it in a way that you feel it. <laughs> I love that because that's how I try to share. And right. it is different. And sometimes I feel so vulnerable when it's over. Because right. I did share it like it was written, like it needed to be read. Right. Right. And, it, and everyone doesn't do that. Everyone doesn't. Because really, when you do that, you are living it. You're living yes. it. You're oh, living God. it. And sometimes that living, that living it, especially if you're dealing with something that is heavy, when you are done, you're almost spent yes. because it was heavy and you lived yes. it. <laughs> right. And see, one of the things that I talk about in my work is that mm-hmm. poetry is a lived experience. It is. Amen. It's a lived experience. Wow. You're my sister from another mother. Right. <laughs> yeah, I knew that right away. I, I knew that. I was just waiting for you to, you know, to get that out. 
<laughs> so, so then, is a knowing what you know about poetry is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Mm, it, it, a poem is definitely for me mm-hmm. letting my guard down. Talk to me. Um, uh, because I don't always know what who I'm talking to. Not right away when I go into a space, but I know I have to be vulnerable if I'm going to, if I want to resonate All right. with people. I don't want people to feel like I'm inhuman or I am, um, you know, trying to be lofty mm-hmm. or or anything like that, because poetry is from my soul. If it's from my soul, it's genuine. And while something in me may want to sometimes, you know, put that wall up, there's another something in me that says, you better do this, girl. And (laughs) because there's somebody, (laughs) there's somebody that needs this. (laughs) Well, when we mm-hmm. think about poetry, here's my question. Mm-hmm. How do you think poetry gives voice to the voiceless? Um, well, of course, poetry provides a platform. Okay, okay. Um, I've, all, I've always known that. I know a lot of people who write poetry, especially young people, because I, I work with, you know, I'm, I'm a post-secondary educator, and mm-hmm. I work um, with um, young people. Now we even have children, uh, young people from high school coming to college. So I really have like a, a broad range of, um, you know, uh, uh, cognitive uh, di- people at different cognitive stages in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I encourage them. Many of them write. You'd be surprised, and and or maybe not, because we've been through quite a bit in the past few years and like while two or three years for me is Mm -hmm. you know whatever for them that's a big chunk of time that that you know people young people that's a a big chunk of their development and they and they and they've written they've done things to try to deal with what we have gone through as a society and even what maybe they've gone through um personally and so um, I, 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 we talked, you said something about agency earlier. Yes. Try to, um, create spaces in which they can employ their agency. You know, they okay. can own, yes, own right. what they, um, what they, what they, what they believe, what they want to say, you know, that kind of thing. Um, did I answer your question? I started. You talking. did. I, I did. Okay. <laughs> you did. But let me ask you this. Uh-huh. What do you think makes your poetic voice different? Well, just makes your voice unique. It, because I because we are all all unique. Like we mm. because I think yeah we're all unique. We are all uh, we all carry a certain. Our experience, our body of experience, every single one of us has a difference in the body of experiences 
that we've had. You know, you can be in the same family with somebody. Come yeah, on. You got that right. And and they remember something one way, experienced yes. it one way, and mm-hmm. you've experienced it another way. Mm-hmm. And so yes. their their voice may not be like your voice. May not and I'm by voice I mean their expression. Yes. Their mm-hmm. how they what they are able to produce their voice, their production, their, you know, their ability to, you know, that kind of thing. It may be different based on, you know, what they've been through and what they bring to any given situation. Mm. Yes. Tell me about a poem you were Mm -hmm. proud of writing, but Mm. afraid to share for fear of misinterpretation. Oh, Mm. Yes. Well, I, you know, I, I write social justice poems, so there are a few. Um, there is one, though. Okay, I'm going to have to pull this one up on my phone because yes. I really had not. Yeah, you got to read this one. You got to read this one. There is one that I wrote um, um, after the... Um, the, the you know the officers the you know what went on in Memphis with the officers yes um and the and, and the killing of um Harry Nichols mm-hmm. and the poem of course so how do you sit with that so because my whole I I went through a variety I went through a, a series of emotions I'm like yes. what in the world and the officers of course were African American. And mm-hmm. we are, you know, out here, you know, trying to um, get justice for people yes. who have been, yes. <laughs> who have been torn down by the justice mm-hmm. system and the, and law mm-hmm. enforcement and all of that. And and you know, I'm I'm speaking this from a standpoint of, you know, I used to be law enforcement. I was a, an adult probation officer. Oh wow! Uh, and when I first got out of college, my husband was a retired um, uh, lieutenant with the sheriff's office. You know, and we know good folks, but then there are some people, you know, and, yes. and I think it's incumbent upon people who who do work in law enforcement. There are folks that are they're not right. They're not right. And not mm-hmm. all of those folks are not black. Well, <laughs> have you heard the expression, just uh-huh. because we share the same skin, that does not mm-hmm. make us kin? That's it. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, you, that's right. Just because they're your skin mm-hmm. folks doesn't mean they're your kin folks. That's, that's exactly that right. is the truth. That's the truth. And so, uh, but so then that led me into why, what, what would you know we're we're all talking about um the injustice black lives matter what do we do with this i was so angry i was like oh my gosh but then i had to go i'm still angry i'm still upset mm-hmm. i'm still upset with them but but i did have to go into um my analytical head yes. and think about what would bring that group of men to that point. These men were educated men. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what would bring them here? And so yes. I wrote a poem called Speculation. Um, 
And I know you know you you've heard that you know you we we often talk about self-loathing. Yes. Okay. Speculation. If our forebears could have died their torture just once and buried the institution of depravity just once and burned the humiliation of that which happened and spread the ashes deeply in dark soil and placed a guard over it and sealed it in silence and reverence and put the pain to bed just once. Perhaps this collective trauma, this remembrance of shame would not have awakened in the generations showering the wounded whispers that madly echo the lie over and over again, the captors lie over and over again, uncivilized over and over, uncultured over and over, inhuman over and over. You children of nowhere, no language, no land, no history, over and over. If we could have just kept these murderous words from seeping into our bones, and passing through our life seed, and filtering into muddied minds, and settling into ulcerated places, and casting them onto others. Perhaps we could have killed it just once. Five midnight men clothed in protector's blue, badge pins shimmering, brown skin gleaming in the glare of street lights, headlights, sky cams would have chosen peace over pummeling and perhaps suspected recklessness would have been verified or put to rest with no notions of bashing batons, taser shock, flights of fists, compounding kicks, and perhaps those wrapped in enforcement authority could have understood the true toll of the terror of disappearing flesh of stifled breath. Inflicted in the then, in the now, when humanizing peace does not abide. And perhaps if they had known it, if we had known it, killed it. Tyree Nichols could have gotten up three days later with all power in his hands. Instead of being one more black boy, gushing blood red, 100 yards from his house, piteously wailing for his mama over mm-hmm. and over again. Wow. That was an epic work. Regina, knowing that you know about the world, knowing what you know about yourself, knowing what you know about poetry, where does your poetic doubt begin and where does it end? Um, my poetic doubt begins often mm-hmm. with whether or not this is going to be received in the way that I mean it. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. And it ends mm-hmm. when it's done. Okay. <laughs> and and I've done it. <laughs> 
and I, <laughs> I, I see. Actually, it, no, I take that back. It ends before I speak it because there is something that comes to me that says this is the time. There is something that comes. There, there is something that that does come a voice. It doesn't necessarily. Although I'm, I'm good at reading a room, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it, but there is sometimes a voice that says, "Do it." <laughs> do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. Do it anyway. <laughs> what they gonna do? <laughs> if they don't invite me back, I wasn't for them. <laughs> do you ever worry about accessibility of your work? My question is, how hard should you work at a poem to solve a poem? Hmm. Hmm. How hard should I work to – did you say to solve a poem? Yes. Yes. Hmm. That's because some work is so, so esoteric that you can't understand it. Right. So how, should, how hard should you work? Well – um right I, it is important to like remember who you're in who you're talking to right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um i always try to keep that in mind there are some pieces that probably like <laughs> i don't know if this is because of shakespeare or because i grew up in the church mm-hmm. but i like <laughs> you know <laughs> I, you know sometimes there's a way that we talk Brethren, <laughs> you know, you know, uh-huh. there's a way that we talk. You know, I, I love old English. You know, I, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, that's just wild. Anyway, but uh, I love language. Period. So yes. there are some things that I write that I probably wouldn't perform everywhere. Some okay. things I write are just for a particular audience. Yes. Yes. So when you think about the fire talker's daughter, Mm -hmm. what audience are you attempting to reach with that book? Um, I'm attempting to reach, well, of course, I do think, I I, I do think anybody that has had, um, Somebody who has meant something in their lives can connect right. to this, okay. um, you know, a parent, a grandparent. Um, but I also think specifically in regards to the fire talker's daughter, mm-hmm. um, w- w- women and, and women in general, most women, I believe, can can kind of get with it. And black women particularly, I think. Okay. Um, it, Although I have had, you know, my feedback has been from from men and women of all of all ethnicities, and mm-hmm. so uh, that has been interesting. Like, there's a, um, uh, you know, there are a few songs. I'm not songs. You see, I love. I'm I'm a lyrical poet too, so that's mm-hmm. I'm a lyric poet. So that's but um, there are people that have come to me and and said and identified specific poems. Um, I have a really good friend um, who is a um, a Presbyterian. She's a she's a white lady. She's a Presbyterian mm-hmm. minister. Yeah. Okay. And um, I I have um, a poem in my book entitled "The Air Bears Witness." 
Hmm. And she said, it, you know, she indicated that it just really moved her. Like yes. it made her think and, you know, like, yes, this is the air. Like this is, like she said, I could almost tell where you were, were going as you went. Like, hmm. um, and and the poem is is not necessarily um, one that I think is you know follows a clear path, but it does um, address the issues. You know, air air is a witness in the poem. I mm-hmm. place air as a witness wow. to what goes on. You mm-hmm. know, if we knew, you know, the air, you know, God. I say is God's sentient ambassador. Wow. You know, if we if we could think like that and 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 recognize, you know, if, if you believe that there is someone looking down, looking at, mm-hmm. looking, looking at you, you mm-hmm. know, if you can keep that in your mind, you know, perhaps you do something different. Well, we've reached right? my favorite part of the program. I view it as being a mini poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share two, three of your works uninterrupted, back to back. Regina, you're on the stage. All right. This poem is entitled To Whom It May Concern Black Joy. Upon the purchase of a Black History Month t-shirt, one that almost shut me down in my local Target, chanting at me from the racks, radiate Black joy. I determined that it was my time to shine, radiate, unwind all of my joy. Yet, as I lay the shirt across my bed, face set on grateful for my find, my ancestors moved from my belly up into my open ears, and I heard their whispers. Words not relegated to the intentional traditional observations of black history. I stood, picked up the shirt, slid it over my head, and was divinely compelled to consider, to list the layers for myself and others of what it means to radiate black joy. For if we are honest, this black joy as a construct is shaped by the misshapen circumstances of history. For indeed, black joy is what is birthed between bouts of black pain. It is molded to sustain. It is compelled to keep moving through one degree of uncertainty to the next. It is the production of delicacies from disposable waste. It is the retention of the spirit that has been carried in ancestors from generation to generation, hidden and released in clearings, introduced through uttered prayers and praise, and it emerges in various forms sometimes like tears, sometimes like immovability. It can even hide under other feelings, mask and mysteries, cloak and glances in ways of speaking, laugh behind closed eyes and lips, while yet another layer of joy plants the seeds of knowledge that are the golden pieces of black gifting, of black strength, even of black prophecy that cannot be removed from black existence, that is black joy. Knowing that even in derision, there is provision in this joy that secrets us and the gifts that 
save us. This joy that reminds us that trouble don't last always and weeping endures for a night. But joy comes in the morning light. And at times, good times, black joy requires black bodies to throw back their heads and laugh loudly and move freely, play spades, the dozens, dance, love, create, 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 share, care, save the whole world. The children, they know that there is love just there in black joy. And for all who may be concerned, know this. While this joy is juxtaposed to pain, the glory is that it can emerge again and again. Black joy, shine, radiate, refine, create more and more. Great God, black joy. You tell anyone else who wants to know, just tell them to go on and know that there is more in store. From this brilliant, unbelievably resilient, black joy. Mm. Hate has no home here. Hate has no home here. This is how I want to begin the conversation. Yet the lives of the ones who nearly died from the colonizing destruction of their nation and the ones who were bunched in the putrid bowels of the traffickers' ships and the ones who now stand at the borders of hope receiving only the glare of derision, pain hurled by loathsome lips, no chance at a shot of fortune's revision. And the ones who crowd streets that promise golden freedom and the ones who want to love who they love. Lord, you know. Oh, I wish that I could begin this conversation with hate has no home here, but I must resist misplacing this platitude, especially as it is too often not true. For currently it has many homes forged in fear. It has long been a stone that built our institutions and fortified heinous enemies. And while we can pretend that we're almost there, that we're at the end of hate, that lie will seal our, seal our fate. That lie will stay our fight, and we don't have time to wait. We must evict for real, for even babies die on battlefields. Hate has no home here. Yet light and loss, light on loss, says otherwise. Ban the damnable lingering aspiration. Just make it true. Just. Make it true. Up above my head, there must be a God somewhere. Isn't there still something singing? My grandmother promised me that there would be as did her mother, as did her daughter tell me, as I tell my own to look up, for surely there is music in the air that stays the savage hand of the enemy. Grandma said, call him and you will see. And for years I went on believing that there is always something singing just above our heads, something that offers warning, 
something that gives a witness, a sonata, a spiritual, a soulful selah that ultimately asserts that there must be a God somewhere up above my head, somewhere. I believe this most times, but sometimes I don't know how to take this music. I can't always hear it, and sometimes the notes are distant and strange, and it seems to me that the music won't stop these bullets from blasting babies backwards or strike down tongues that eviscerate and malign or cut off hands that will not let go my womb, my choice, my life, or cast these vile isms into the pit so that the world won't look at my babies like monsters the moment they hit the air. Oh, there must be a God somewhere in my bones. I believe this. So maybe what we need to do is to stop always looking in the air Invite the music into our hearts. Make it our own. Maybe we need to find our own music and see our God. Then maybe we can find that music that reminds us that holiness is living in our hands and our hearts. And it sings loudest when we work. And we can become the music that can make a difference. God in us. If we would just run towards the fire, but not faint. The music in the air should dwell in us too, every day, everywhere, with loud, insistent, consistent refrain. Wow. Wow. You know, I was sitting here thinking that there are black people that are still in pain 400 years later. Right. Mm-hmm. Regina, how would you classify your ability to write poetry as a creative gift or creative art? Oh, I think it's definitely a mixture of both. Okay. okay. Um. I I do think my mama would declare that I came here talking. (laughs) (laughs) I believe believe your mama. I believe your mama. I believe your mama. mama. Uh Um, And that's true. But I also have this love of literature and history. Um, and I have pursued that. Yes. And so a lot of what I write is 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 um, shaped by the exposure to that. So I mm-hmm. told you we were talking earlier about how I went to the North Carolina Museum of Art and I looked at those exhibits mm-hmm. and how every depiction. Every artistic depiction, every scene triggered some thought, some experience, um, something that may have just been in collective memory um, that, that, 
all of that, that's going to come out in my work. Um, okay. I, I, you know, I, I know I, I won't, you know, I, I won't, I don't write things about things overtly, but art, art inspires art. Mm. And so I think it is important for for the artist, the literary artist, any artist, to expose mm-hmm. themselves to other forms of art um, and think about how that idea, if you're struck by that idea, how that idea can be translated. Wow. I was watching, um, um, I love um, Shakespeare. Um, okay. <laughs> Right. Um, and so I was watching. Um, there's a there's a theater in London called the Young Vic Theater. Okay. And it um, puts on um, plays of all kinds, but but they do you know also deals in or it they do productions of Shakespeare with modern casting. And so um, there is a production of Hamlet. Um, in which um, the the person playing Hamlet is a female, not saying not and it, and that person is not has not changed Hamlet from male to female, but she has embodied Hamlet like she has she has you know uh, and, and she's one of my favorite actresses. I mean I've seen mm-hmm. her in a lot of things, but she uh, has has cropped her hair very closely, and she it's. It's almost she almost looks it's it's urban, okay, almost urban, but it is Shakespeare, and it mm. is so she is I'm telling you the best, uh, the best Shakespeare I think I've seen in a I mean the best Hamlet I've seen in a in a while the way she delivers to be or not to be, I'm gonna send it to you. It's I like that. dynamic. I it, like it's that. just oh my gosh. Yeah, so I think, yes, so to answer your question, yes, uh, it is a gift, but there also are other things that I do, sometimes intentionally, to Mm -hmm. sharpen my craft. Wow. You know, I don't want us to run out of time. I want to sit here all night, but I've got a couple more things I want to say. Here's one. (laughs) It's Fire Talker's Daughter. Yeah. What do you think you learned about yourself writing that book? Well, as I as I was writing that book, I really came to recognize how much of an impact that my mother, as well as um, other people in my life, mm-hmm. and my life. And what I believe, you know, the shaping of what I believe. Now, I, I don't believe in, I don't think anybody believes exactly the same. People have their their versions of what, what they believe, but uh, uh, the core of it mm-hmm. um, has been, I think, passed through like generations. Wow. And, and, and so, you know, while um, some people might say, Oh, you know, they believe, you know, Christianity. They want to say that it's Christianity, but it 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 is it's it's not it's something that is more um 
almost universal than that. Something that something that um, uh, some resilience, some seed of some some seed of belief in, that there is something more mm-hmm. that the 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 troubles of this present time mm-hmm. can always be overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's 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 not wrapped in one belief system. It's something is something something more, almost okay. intangible. And that and that and that and that is something that I I feel I was able to see. There's another poem in here called Deeper Further Back. That mm-hmm. collective memory of women um generation even to generation of the things that we that we pass good or bad because some of it is you know not all together some of it is we still we battle some things that um we haven't really rooted out and they've just been passed they've been passed um you know, my last so. question, my last question to you tonight. <laughs> Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure I was. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> what surprises you most about being a poet? That, I want you to really, to be honest, that mm-hmm. that people... That not I'm sure not everybody, but that people listen mm-hmm. and connect. That mm-hmm. I think that's the most surprising thing the mm-hmm. the the listening and the con the connection. Right. You know, I'm I'm always surprised when somebody says I want you to come and do this. You know, mm-hmm. we I'm I'm like really. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, you know, now I have my game face on, my game face. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh. we've reached <laughs> we've reached the end of our poetic journey. Okay. I don't want okay. to get to end, but the time going to run out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got six minutes left. Okay. Uh, where can we find the book? <laughs> okay. So you can find the book um, in a variety of places. Um, currently, um, you can find it, of course, at uh, Finishing Line Press, um, uh, finishinglinepress.com. You, mm-hmm. uh, all you have to do is search Regina Y. C. Garcia or search the Fire Talker's daughter, and it will pop right up. Um, if you go to Google, hi, I just found this out. Well, you know, I love to say, people say, so what do you do? I say, Google me. Look, Google. so <laughs> Google me. And, but, but if you go to Google, if, if you go to Google, I just got Google verified. You can't tell me anything now. But, <laughs> but I'm also, you can also find uh, find it at Barnes & Noble. Um, you can, you know, of course, order from Barnes & Noble. Um, for some reason, it has not populated quite, I mean, it's there. The space is there, Amazon, but it's saying temporarily out of stock. Okay. Um, now I would like to believe that there was a mad rush and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, okay. I, 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 my I, next I question. <laughs> my next question. <laughs> what is my next question? Oh, I got it. <laughs> okay. Where do you go from here creatively? Oh. Okay. <laughs> 
So uh, I have. Now you know I we ain't have, got but five minutes. Okay, so okay. So okay, creatively, I'm still putting my work out there. I still, I, you know, I want to. I'm working on another book, so that. But I also uh, have a love for documentary poetry. Um, I had the opportunity to. Um, uh, be a transitional poet, poet in a documentary, and the documentary was covered by Muse, a PBS show, and then the yes. and then the show won an Emmy. Oh wow! And, so, and my poetry was in the in in the oh, part. Yes. Yeah, oh, and, wow. You know, so I want to continue to do things like that. You know, uh, I've written for musical composers, so mm. I'm um I'm, I'm, I'm I'm trying to broaden my horizon. I'm waiting for Beyonce and Jay Z. If you out there, I'm here. I'm ready for your next EP. Hey, I'm ready. question for you. Question for mm-hmm. you. Do you have one more haiku that you can share real quick? Another haiku. Let's see. Um, another haiku. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> oh okay, my good. goodness! I gotta find it though. Look, Lord have mercy. Leave us with a haiku. A haiku. Leave you with a haiku. We got three minutes and forty-four seconds. Okay, I can do this. Okay, I gotta find it. What's this? That brown girl. <laughs> That's what it's called. Oh, okay, here it is. Okay. Oh, okay. Afro futures haiku in multiverse. Brown girl surfs the continuum. Right. Scanning the timeline. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Again. Scanning the timeline. Brown girl roaming, mind in flight. Be vigilant now. Lives depend on hope. Consult every star you find. Croon's mother of days. She crossed deep oceans, found emerging life forms, clay shaped with divine breath. Life struggled with sin. Centers distended, bore life, learned more, grew smart, strong. Below this star bright, sparkling clean waters quenched earth. Love and fear bloomed sure. That was a haiku? That was a haiku in multiverse. Oh, multiverse. See? <laughs> See, you can't keep a twist of ass. I can tell you. She that. will make up her own. She will make up her own. Oh, like, that's not a haiku. That's it. I told that woman a haiku. That's it. I gave you, you said you got another one. I said, yeah. Oh, you are incredible. I want to thank you so much for being my guest. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with you. I I've got a project to. in my mind. And I'll talk I'm to ready. you about later. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the fire talker's daughter, everybody. Yeah. I just, that book touched me so much. Oh, I'm so glad. It did. Mm. The words touched me so much. I'm so and glad. Uh, your future's bright. Thank I want you. you to claim, I want you to claim that. Claim that victory. I, I'm going to claim that victory. I'm yeah. claim that victory. Yeah. Thank you. You too, brother. You too. All right. All right. Look, when I'm going, we seconds. all going. <laughs> got 90 seconds. All right. <laughs> thank you, Regina, right. YC, yeah. Garcia. I want to thank the listening audience as well. And as you know, every time we're together, I make the following statement. Let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.
Good, Good night, Regina. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.